So we will constantly be thinking to ourselves, what matters to them, does it matter to us? And what matters to us, does it matter to them? The Startup Student Podcast, the podcast for students who want to be their own boss, where students and experts from across the world and I, Christine, give you practical advice. We are looking into tips all around starting and marketing your own business, as well as productivity to better balance your student and business life. Turn your idea into reality. I'm your host, Christine. Let's start this episode. Hello, it's Christine, and I'm joined by James Cracknell again, and we are having our fourth episode of the Innovation Series here at the Startup Student Podcast, and this time we're talking about maintaining the innovative culture, because we already talked about what is innovation, social innovation, and innovation leadership, but how do you actually maintain innovation in the company and an innovative culture, not just by yourself, but also with the team that surrounds you. Welcome back, James. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, we'll go straight into it, if you like. So from the point of view of what I understand in my head about the sort of kind of ideas of culture and and having an innovative culture within an organization. So culture is obviously clearly something that, that talks about the way we do business within a particular organization. And culture emerges over time, but it's something which leadership sets and talks about and delivers. And when it comes to innovation, is to understand that there are many different sources of innovation. Ideas can come from within, they can come from without. The, you know, we can think of innovation as being very discussive and very open, and we can think of it as very organizationally wrapped in departments and put in boxes and and locked away in IP and various other areas. So it's it's not a simple thing as just just encouraging ideas to come to life in the sorts of an organization. It's about where those ideas come from and how we treat them and how we resource them and how we you know kind of bring them to being. And I think that the the, this sort of idea of, of an innovative culture is probably changing and has changed from the last, I guess, 20 or 30 years. It was very rare for businesses to actually think and look outside of their environments to actually start to think about innovation. And we, you know, going back sort of to the world of the 19 sort of 80s and 1990s and before that even, there was a a propensity to 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 kind of find innovation in large organizations through closed mechanisms like research and development departments and budgets that sort of locked things away and there was a lot of intensity and focus about maximizing and capitalizing upon intellectual property and what people can do and I think within some industries that still exists. I mean, certainly from the industries around pharmaceuticals and where investments and sunk costs for a business are extremely high. And sometimes we can get very preoccupied with that kind of culture of that kind of locked away culture. But I think that's to a degree changing. And it's probably changing because there's a recognition that ideas when they're locked away, they tend to just die and disappear. And we bury failures and we should be learning from failures. And that mindset and that culture is something, again, that is probably not as well accepted as you would like it to be. And I think that the, you know, when we look at this, this kind of concept of open innovation, which is very much more 
about encouraging and exploring the, the, the things that come through various different areas of business. So open innovation is, is as it implies, it recognizes that not all ideas are good ideas are created from within and that there is a, an ability for the observer and for the people who sit outside of an organization to actually offer real insight into their ideas. And organizations like IDO and you know, various organizations like that have been great pro proponents of this idea of open innovation and the way that it that, that it brings in this, this sort of concept of of looking for new novelty from beyond the, the boundaries of the organization as it exists. And any organization that has that kind of culture within it will, will be actively pursuing that, will be actively stepping outside and running various things. They could be running innovation events. They could take be taking part in hackathons or, or social innovation challenges or anything like that. But they're always looking for ideas from their the communities that surround what they're doing and you're seeing more of that from people like Innocentive and people like that who encourage the exploration of ideas and the openness of that and what you end up with is just you know a an environment which is that much more conducive rather than people stumbling around in the dark looking for the next opportunities within what we're actually doing is that is structuring and creating a strategy that actually becomes part of the overall brand and the overall culture of that business i think that that, that when you work in an environment like that where perhaps even where academia partners up with businesses what you get is this flurry of thinking and this this whole concept concept of just being able to take the idea and finding the resources to get it to the next level and this is really important for i think for a lot of businesses but it doesn't happen just by chance you have to purposefully adopt a philosophy that says we welcome this openness this this new engagement and sometimes partnering, collaboration, never they're not always easy for people to see, you know, to go into that. They 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 don't necessarily have the right language, the right vocabulary to actually collaborate and partner with, with people. And it's just a learning process to actually start to think about what people want from the collaborative environment and from those partnerships. And we, when we work with businesses and when we do a lot with ourselves with businesses, we just think of ourselves as a partnership business. We will always look at how we can win and facilitate those win-win situations between ourselves and those people that we want to work with. So we will constantly be thinking to ourselves, what matters to them, does it matter to us? And what matters to us, does it matter to them? And finding that unified area where it matters to the both of us then becomes a driving force for that collaboration. And then we have the mechanisms within that, that space to be able to think about how we, how we encourage each other to be reflective and responsive to the ideas that then either of us are involved in developing. 
And the collaboration brings in new resources, it brings in new thinking, and you can collaborate from within your industry and you can collaborate from externally within your industry. And that kind of process really does enlighten the way that your organization can start to engage with innovation and engage with the creation of new forms of value. Thank you. I uh, also made a note because you mentioned, okay, sometimes we bury our failures. I think also a lot of times people point out a lot of failures, of course, it has to do with all kinds of things that we always recognize the negative things over the positive things. But I think we should also learn from our successes. So what worked and how did it work and how can maybe a mechanism be created out of that, that we can then transfer into other upcoming situations? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know we it's both failure and successes. We you know the 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 that the area is is that we we learn more in a lot of respects from those failures because they challenge us to rethink areas. But actually, we we can become very complacent when we're in a winning environment. But if you actually think about the question of why was it a success, right? Why what if we what what is it that we can do more of? that can actually elevate that success and go for, you know, not just not just an improvement, an incremental, but maybe a radical improvement in what we deliver for our customers and for, 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 the, for, for those that are benefiting from what we're doing. So I think from that point, you know, we, we often do kind of take, you know, an almost laissez-faire attitude towards success and say, you know, great, lovely, we're successful, we deliver this, we've got this program. But actually, the challenge is always to keep going back and asking those those really specific questions around that environment. And questioning is a culture, a cultural thing as being open to it. I've sat in many kind of environments where questions are actually not on the agenda. We never really question. We just acknowledge And the problem with just sitting back and acknowledging that we got something right or that we're doing something in that area, what it does do is it closes the conversations down. So actually, when we're in an environment, we see success. And I was just thinking, you know, you made me think going back to when I was sort of working for an investment bank during the financial crisis. And one of the challenges that we had within that was that there were a lot of businesses that were successful pre the financial crisis. And when we looked at those businesses, nobody ever really responded with a question of why are they successful and how can that success be perpetuated if the environment is being changed and is dynamically shifting. And this is where, again, that idea of evaluating where we are, constantly thinking about the trends that are getting us there, asking ourselves, is that trend actually an extendable trend or is it reaching its pinnacle? Has it reached the point whereby something else is now becoming that much more talked about or that much more discussed? So I agree that that success in its own right is a, is a learning environment, but only if we can go back and actually start to question where the drivers of success are manifesting themselves and how we can actually go for improvements, how we can maybe bring in new jobs, new outcomes, maybe add to our success 
greater impact, whether it's social impact or ecological impact? Are there things that we can do with our successes that really do raise the bar and put us into a new realm? We mentioned it in, in previous episodes as well. And I mean, we're talking here, this is a startup student podcast, which is aimed at entrepreneurs and startups. However, we also mentioned before that we see a lot that bigger organizations create smaller entities that are completely separated from the bigger companies because they have difficulties to innovate. And also there, I think it's easier to maintain an innovative culture than in the big ones but I can I see a lot as well that we're all in our own bubble <laughs> of course yeah. and I think we can inject innovation and we can maybe or we have to for sure review what we're doing on a regular basis not only because something happened or not only because the market is changing you actively should have the approach to take on take on a regular basis how innovative are you actually and what else is coming up and how can you be prepared for it and maybe come up with something new yeah, I agree. I think I think that goes back to what we were talking a little bit earlier about leadership and and the, where we we're talking about that kind of metric setting and and thinking about things from that perspective. But I I think that that for me in the cultural thing that questioning environment is just crucial. And one of the biggest questions that that you kind of bring to the table in in business in startups and that maybe we're we're kind of frightened of in some respects is just that what if question. What if we did do something different? What if we did this? What if we chose a different market segment to attack? What if we did bring in a new value proposition for a, you know, whatever? Um, what if we got a new revenue stream from another area? And I think that constant kind of nagging question is something which startup entrepreneurs are very attuned to and they're very aware of. And I think that the 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 world as we develop and as we grow and as we build different organizations and the culture starts to become manifest, we probably to a degree sometimes run away from what if. And I think there's an opportunity for all businesses to have within that framework, that particular question, and almost have a meeting that just says, what if? And it's just about saying, well, okay, we've got a, you know, a regular monthly meeting. And every question that we start up with is, what if this trend stopped? What if we did this? And I think it just opens up the area of thinking around that. And I think it's a very powerful tool because it leads on as well because obviously it throws up obstacles it throws up questions in its own right but then our challenges as innovators as entrepreneurs as people in that particular area is to constantly say to ourselves well okay so what now if we've got a what if then what now so how do we solve that particular problem how do we move ourselves forward to circumvent that and that kind of idea that the obstacles that we're creating the the manifestations of what we're about if we're the obstacles we're creating can actually be the next best thing for us to actually address and we know that if we can we can put that into that framework then our business has a an opportunity maybe to get next and build on those successes that we've been talking through as well and actually get through to that next bit so i think it's it's really I think that's why I love working with startups, because there's always, in my mind, the sense of 
of uncertainty, a sense of ambiguity and a sense of, oh, my word, what's going to happen now? And there's also an ability for it, and it needs to be there for every startup to be able to actually say, you know what, perhaps we haven't got it right. Perhaps we're living in a world where this is not actually sustainable or we're creating a business model which is going to be easily replicated or attacked from, you know, from other organizations. So, you know, we've got to be in that, that world of critical thinking, of analytics, in order that we can actually start to develop what, you know, very clear strategic steps. And it makes it sound in a way a little bit like a scattergun, but it isn't because I think, again, what we tend to, Perhaps, perhaps larger organizations tend to lose and startups can actually really latch onto is that sense of outcome, sense of impact that we're really trying to make within the startup. I had a call this earlier on today with a, a business and we, you know, and it was a piece of technology that the business that the entrepreneur is developing. It was a really interesting concept. There's a big there, there seems to be a very big addressable market that it could go to. All of that kind of stuff. And we then spoke, were speaking about, well, you've got this particular product, you've got this particular idea and this, this area. How do we protect it? How do we create a business model that actually can ring fence that idea? Because it could be that it, it's just going to be absorbed or taken up by other organizations. So the innovation that the, the, is really crucial, the thinking that they're doing is really, really valuable, but actually thinking through the business model, thinking through the way that we can make that model work and make it, and make it sticky and make it tangible. These are really great conversations. And this is partly the reason why, again, I just love working with those sorts of organizations that bring those challenges to the table. And you've got to kind of start thinking through the direction, the next move, what's going to happen, that kind of stuff. But I mean, there are so many different startup styles, startup way things out there from all, you know, startups that are almost just down to the individuals and the there, the consultancy area. And again, I get a lot of people talking about, well, you know, how can we be innovative as a solo entrepreneur very easily? You know, in fact, probably more easily than anything else, because you're you can bring the novelty and the newness and the thinking to any of the problems. You've just got to have the right questions in your mind and the ability to actually put on those different hats and and start challenging your own thinking to get through so every organization every business can develop a a culture of innovation can develop a a, an understanding and a mindset of it but again that it, it is just about we lose it over time unless we actively pursue it and unless we actively identify this is what we're going to be doing we will we will just stop doing it and i think that's that's that to a degree is where you get to see some of the industries and some of the and some of the challenges and businesses, you know, losing traction very quickly. I mean, I think that you know the the, the kind of the concept that going back twenty or thirty years that that businesses were very very stable organisations that there was a job for life. We're now in a world where where organisations don't last very long, and they don't last very long primarily because they stop being innovative. They stop thinking about things and they become very intractable and very sort of stuck because of sunk costs, because of rigidities, because of 
concerns and because probably the the the, the leaders within the business start to lose confidence about their own ability to make the right decisions and decision making and innovation again go hand in hand because we can be as creative as we like but unless we actually bring it to life and unless we actually make decisions about how that strategy will unfold it's just going to stay in the in the on the shelf as a good idea and probably die there so I, you know i think that there's so much that that you know positivity around at the moment for a lot of this kind of stuff and we focus again we focus primarily on on a lot of negative stories but the bottom line is is that that we need to address certain challenges with this idea that things are movable that things are agile and you know there are certain things in life that we're good at at a very young age and if you know we have a far greater tolerance to risk and certain things like that maybe when we're younger and maybe we have a better kind of idea of vocabulary when we're older and actually the the choice the choices of it is is that that that's where a diverse business really does pay dividends because you're leaning into that that ability to be reactive, ad- adaptable, le- you know, kind of looking at the the marketplace and responding effectively, and at the same time, the ability to be able to vision how that can come about, how you can make those those steps realize and become very very practical. Yes, and I think this what if, <laughs> and now what is is great. And when you have these meetings, and even though maybe someone might say <laughs> innovation should be without rules because then innovation can happen because you let your imagination free. And I think it's important to have certain rules set when you have those meetings within the team. Things like, okay, everyone can express freely what their thoughts are. Everyone should think outside the box, if we use a term that's overused probably. Everyone can think about new ways of working in case everything would be possible if money, time, location, and nothing would play a role in in your thinking. Because I think when you are within a company you're used to certain processes to certain things so you you won't mention certain ideas that you have because you think it's not going to be possible anyway so are there any other final tips that you have also maybe around having those meetings i think i think you probably just hit it nail on the head there it's it's about resourcing it because we can have these meetings and we can have that but it, it it takes guts to put capital to work in the world of innovation and unless you can actually sit down and say there is money that we need to put aside to test out where these ideas come from and how they need to be you know evoked and and worked on i think doesn't have to be big budgets it doesn't have to be vast amounts of money it just has to be resourced people resource it money needs to be resourced in it it needs to be you know it needs to have buy-in from everybody within that organization so i think you know everybody has the right to innovate within that space and within that business and if you have that mindset where it's a right and not a and not a you know and not just something that's that's given to you it's something that's part of the philosophy of the business then it becomes 
part of the it permeates everything that you do within that space so those meetings they need to be you're right they need to be in terms of the outcomes that that will be there so there's almost like there needs to be an ownership of the idea and the way that it then needs to be developed there needs to be a process to bring that idea to life and some form of accountability as to whether and how that idea is then measured, monitored, and the impact of it considered. Bearing in mind that a lot of innovation is and needs to be longer term than just a short term fix. Right? It needs to be thought through from the from the causalities that it creates, not just simply from the point of view of, well, I'm bringing in a piece of change and it's going to drive in additional revenues or it's going to modify the supply chain or it's going to do something within the, the, the permutations of the business. Because at the end of the day, there are always causalities, positive and negative, that you need to consider. So having people bring ideas to the table and new ways of working, new practices, new new thoughts to the table is something that we need to encourage. But equally, we need to encourage them to say to see where those causalities then lead so that they are aware of what that kind of idea can actually develop and become. So when we work on the the, the iTeams programs, which are these challenge-based programs we do at the university, one of the messages that we always say to the students who are in teams and thinking around ideas around a problem is it's not just enough to suggest an idea and to think it's a really good idea what you've got to do is you've got to suggest the idea and explore how the idea then becomes what impact that manifestly has upon the organization if they were to adopt it and what that does is it just means that ideas have ownership beyond the idea itself and you have to then justify through the if you like the cost and benefits of bringing that idea to life so you know whatever that whatever you believe that causality is within the process you've got to kind of assume and make those assumptions very very clear that if we brought this in then you know that's what would happen within this what's where we see the consequences of doing this and that allows people then to judge about whether that idea is effective or whether that idea is something at the end of the day that is too expensive, both from a human consequence perspective or maybe just simply from a resource perspective. So those meetings, therefore, have to have accountability in the idea. It's not just simply throwing something out there and saying, "Okay, that's great. It's lovely. Let's get it done. Let's do something. There has to be that kind of thought through process about what it is that actually the implications are. Bringing someone external in can also really help someone like you, for example, <laughs> or other people who have facilitated that before. Any yeah. final words before we wrap up this episode? No, I think I think you, we, we've covered quite a bit. I think there's there's always there's always stuff out there in that regard. I mean, we we spend a lot of time working with businesses, bringing in new new concepts, new ideas, innovation and the like into those businesses. There's also a kind of an understanding that technology and innovation are two areas that you know live side by side. So we haven't really touched on technology as such, but you know, I think that that just again being receptive to what technology can do to your organization, new technologies and new areas 
and they can be a catalyst for change in your processes. So all I would say out of all of this is just if you're sitting in your organization, a startup or whatever, go into the challenge mode and start thinking about the, the way that you can build efficiencies and effectiveness into your business. Because the more you do of that, the better you, you can serve your customer, the more effective that your business will become, and ultimately the better and more and, and the, the more opportunity that you will end up ex- being able to explore. What amazing final words for this episode and actually the series. Thank you so 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 much i enjoyed our conversation i'm sure everyone took out a lot of things to think about and to actually do think about it is one thing doing is another yeah (laughs) Yeah? so only having the knowledge doesn't change anything so make sure whatever you're listening to whatever you're reading whatever you're hearing whatever someone advice someone is giving you make sure you actually put that into action. Thank you, James. And I'm looking forward to connecting further. And if anyone wants to connect with James, you have the links on creativestartupacademy.com slash podcast, where you can find all the links. Thank you, James. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That was it. Thanks for tuning in. And just to let you know, there's a free 30-day Kickstart Your Business Challenge available on my website, creativestartupacademy.com slash kickstart. And it turns your business idea into reality in just 30 days. And if you could leave a review for this podcast, please, please, please do so because it will help me with my ranking. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.